Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a happier, healthy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Saving with Steve show. We're expanding overseas. Our show is syndicated internationally now. We have over 40,000 listeners internationally and over 600,000 listeners in the U.S. Today, we're definitely talking about money. We're talking about keeping your money. See, last year in the state of California, over 663,000 people moved out of the state of California to states with lower or no income taxes. The same thing happened to all high-tax states like New Jersey, New York, Illinois, and there's more. The reality is states like California don't want to lose your tax dollars and will do everything to keep you paying. You're going to have to learn how to pass the state domicile test. We have Brad Galbraith, created the changemydomicile.com to help good folks like you do it right. We're also going to be talking about the money moves you need to make before the end of the year to make sure you stay online for retirement. And you know what? We have the profitability master, Ruth King, here to share why every business needs to grow wealth in the pandemic. Yep, pandemic's still going. And yeah, it's possible. Ruth is going to share some great words of wisdom on how to grow your business, your life, and be more profitable this year in the midst of the pandemic. She's got this really cool new book called Profit and Wealth, Simple Rules for Sustainable Growth. You're not going to want to miss this. So what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to introduce you, Ruth King, the Profitability Master. Ruth, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here. I'm thrilled, in fact. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad you're here as well. And I know you watch podcasts because we talked about that. I watch them. I watch shows. And when you see a subject matter expert, I go, okay, so why should I listen? So let me tell you why you should listen to Ruth. See, Ruth is known as the profitability master. Yes, she's accomplished, has multiple advanced degrees, started a small business center in Georgia, taught women how to start their own business, launched her own TV channel. <gasps> Boy, she's done a lot. Now, now she's, um, she's also been a contributor to the Wall Street Journal, Fox, MSNBC, as well as others. Most important, she learned from business failures. She learned from business successes. Ruth is unbelievably passionate and successful in helping small businesses, small business owners get profitable and stay profitable. Ruth has this new book called Profit and Wealth, Simple Rules for Sustaining Your Business Growth. Now, the reason why I think we're real lucky to have Ruth is because, you know what, she's been doing this for four decades, but with four decades, you have failures and you learn from those. And she's been able to help 
other people learn from her failures so they can be successful and be successful faster. So for that, I'm grateful for the that you're here, Ruth. My pleasure. You know, my dad always said it was better to learn from the mistakes of others so that you didn't make them. And, you know, I've had them. I've My clients have had them. And I teach, okay, don't do this. This is what happens when this happens. And so you're right. I've got four decades of, of talking about that with small business clients. And if they pay attention, they can avoid a lot of heartbreak and a lot of cash flow issues. I like to say the way you said, don't do this. It's like a little kid sticking the pin into the socket. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question. Um, what inspired you to write Profit and Wealth? Profit and Wealth is actually the sequel to The Courage to be Profitable. And when I wrote that book, I thought, okay, everybody's going to get profitable and they intuitively will know to build wealth. Well, guess what? I was totally wrong because there are so many people out there who get profitable and think, okay, that's all I have to do. And the pandemic was a perfect example of that. Those are, a lot of people lost their businesses because they were profitable, but they didn't build the savings. They didn't build the cash. They didn't build the wealth along with it. And if you didn't do that, you know, PPP loans came in 30 days later, but if you couldn't survive for at least those 30 days, bye-bye. So it's not only building the profit, it's got to be building the wealth. And so I wrote the sequel to it go, hey, guys, it's not only profit. You got to build the wealth at the same time. <laughs> you know, that's so true because I, I, I've seen, I, I have seen, and I've had work with people as a financial consultant. Um, that they thought they had a very successful business, but it only really provided for them and their family and they didn't save all that much. And I understand, you know what, you know what, let's just start with this question up front. Why is cash so important? Because without cash, you can't pay your bills. You can't keep a roof over your head. You can't, your employees can't have their payroll. And without cash, you can't survive. It's, it's just done. You don't have it. And the interesting thing about cash is people think, okay, they go by their checking account and they say, okay, I've got cash in my checking account. They forget about all the bills that have to come out of that to, so that that cash has to cover all of that stuff. So it's not only having the cash, it's making sure that you have the cash to be able to pay your bills and have some luck over. And that's the real key with cash flow. I mean, I had one client who we started started a business and grew it to $2 million in 12 years, only on cash by looking at their bank account every day. And as long as they could pay their payroll and pay their bills and take their discounts, they were fine. They hit $2 million and stopped growing. And then they started having problems. Long story short, they were losing a nickel for every dollar that came in the door for 12 years. Oh my gosh. The growth masked that whole problem. Because cash flow was always increasing while their growth was increasing. As soon as growth stopped, cash started going away. Ooh, ooh. Okay, so now this is going to lead to the next question. You know what? You've been helping businesses not only survive, but thrive for four decades. What's the key to your success? The key to success is actually implementation. It's not enough to set the goal. It's not enough to say, I want to do this. It is, all right, I want to do this and I'm going to do this today, this tomorrow, this next week, and making sure that you do some follow-up to make sure that it all happens. You know, we all have lovely goals, things that we want to do and everything along those lines. But if we don't implement it, you know, that's basically a wish or a dream. The implementation, and implementation is hard because we get, um, person over here comes over here and says, I want you to do this. Person over here comes over here and says, I want you to do this. 
or an employee comes in or a customer calls or whatever else it is, you've got to stay with implementation. And you also have to budget. Most people don't live by a budget. You've got to have a business budget, revenues, direct expenses, overhead expenses. Where do you expect your bottom line to be? So those two things are the key to success. You mean to tell me that people run their business like they do their checking account? Yeah, nah, not really. Well, actually, I've run across people who do. Yes, but <laughs> the, one. the one that they have no clue that they're losing money, except for when things slow down or they stop growing. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you have 10 rules for growth, 10 rules for profit. How did you discover those rules? Through 40 years of working with my clients, that's where they all got distilled, to be perfectly frank. And we've implemented all of the, all 20 rules with my client base and they are growing profitably. They have the tools, the processes to go to, to do what they need to do. And they are building recurring revenue. They know the difference between a P&L and a balance sheet. Um, maybe not in the beginning, but by the time we finish, they know it. And they know that balance sheets are more important for profitability than P&Ls and why. So that's where they all came from. It's like, okay, this is this rule one, this is rule two. And, and it's taking a client who raises their hand and says, I need some help, but they're willing to do the work. There's a lot of people who say, I need the help. And you know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've had clients like that too. And they just don't want to do the work. And it's like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm- Everybody's had a client like that. They're just, oh, okay, could you do that for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Does it work that way? Uh, so what are some of those rules? Right. Um, one, there's a lot of cash rules. And number. my favorite cash rule is to save 2% of every dollar that comes in the door. And it's really easy to do that. And it's really easy not to do that. So let's assume you got $10,000 in the door this week, because I can do that number in my head. 2% of $10,000 is only 200 bucks. So at the end of the week, you you transfer that $200 into a savings account. And believe me, it, it adds up. And the key is not to take it when it does add up and go, oh, I can go do this. But going to the big boys toy store, the big girls toy store is not a good idea. It's It's meant to be there. In case we get another pandemic or whatever else it is, um, you can't to be able to do for, that. Uh, shopping therapy, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another rule that's really profit and wealth is to make sure that you always have recurring revenue, recurring income, customers who buy from you on a loyal basis. Um, and the profit part of that is making sure that you price it properly. And the wealth part of it is building that customer base and that loyal customer base who is buying from you in good times and bad. And they're really loyal to you and you're loyal to that. So that's a rule that's in both. Um, a rule, another rule that's in, in wealth is to make sure that you have a business that is not dependent upon you and a business where you totally separate business expenses from personal expenses. I know too many business owners who, yeah, I'll just put this on my business credit card. Nobody will find it. Well, guess what? Your budget gets blown. Mm-hmm. You know, and that type of thing. So, and the the profit side, we do something. I do something called net profit per hour, which is for every billable or revenue producing hour, how much actually drops to the bottom line. Percentages don't matter because um, 
you can't take a percentage to the bank. I can't go, I made 10% last year. Here's my 10%. Can you deposit this? And the teller would look at you like, what are you nuts? <laughs> but what you can deposit is dollars. So, you know, two companies can have a 10% net. One could be earning $10 net profit per hour and another can be earning 50. Which would you rather be? I'd rather be the 50. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. I want so, more. Oh, yeah. If I'm running a business, I want more. Hey, Ruth, stay right there. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with more insights from Ruth King. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to Saving with Steve. We have Ruth King with us, profit or wealth. That's what we're talking about. But before we do, I just want to truly thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends and family and associates know about our show. We hit the 500,000 listener mark. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information inside on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss a show. Check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio in New York City, E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. Now, we're back with Ruth King. Ruth, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to ask this lovely question. You know what? A lot of people are pivoting right now and they're looking to develop a business, start something up. What are the biggest mistakes they can avoid? Number one is they have to get a customer and it can't be your mother and it can't be your friend and it can't be your, your grandmother. I mean, you have to have a real customer, not somebody who knows you really, really well. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to say, you know, you're talking to one of your friends about an idea that you had and they go, oh, that's a really great idea. Terrific. Will you invest in it? (laughs) That will tell you whether it's a really great idea or not, because if they're willing to put their money where their mouth is, the great idea, then guess what? You probably do have a great idea, but you've got to get a customer that's not a family member or a friend. And by proving that you can get customers, then you can find out why they're using your products and services, what the benefits are, and then you can go and do marketing based on that type of thing. And so you build your customer base that way. Too many companies go, I have this phenomenal idea. And then they open their doors and they don't have any customers. Better you get the customers first, then open your doors. That's like seeing the uh, really unique shop in the strip mall. And you're like, wow. And then three months later, it's gone because nobody walked in there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Okay. 
Now, um, how many, this is the pandemic question. Mm-hmm. Um, how many, you know, how can small businesses implement themselves from further economic uh, fallout due to the coronavirus? Because, you know, we could have the strains, people come back to work, all sorts of things. Yeah. The way I look at it is two things. Number one, we talked about building your cash, you know, saving 2% of every dollar that comes in the door. That is your security blanket. If we want to look at Snoopy, for example, I guess I'm dating myself with peanuts. But anyway, um, you know, it's it's really if you can start saving money and do it religiously, you know, the implementation piece, you're going to find that if we get another pandemic, then you've got at least money saved up and you can go, all right, I can get through this because I have six months saved up or I've got a year saved up or whatever the number is. That's number one is cushion yourself with um the the cash number two is go talk to the customers that you've had in the past and see how they're doing um you may want to reactivate inactive customers one of the things that drives me absolutely insane and and literally insane is when people say okay i'm going to do marketing and advertising they're always trying to get new customers take care of your customers take care of your existing customers i challenge everybody who's watching this to go and look at their customer base and see how many customers they haven't talked to in a year to 18 months to somewhere around five years and talk to them. And you're going to get, I thought you went out of business. Oh, Yeah, because you didn't talk to them and they're looking for somebody else to handle whatever their needs are. And you, they've written you a check or they've given you a credit card or something like that in the past and you just ignored them. That's nuts. One of the other questions I have for you, just to follow up to that, is so many businesses have one revenue source. So if, guess what, your restaurant got shut down, where are you going to get your other revenue from? Is this one of the principles you talk about with people or... Yeah, I mean, the, one of the guys who is in a mastermind group with me has the largest, the oldest steakhouse in Florida. So you may know who that is. But anyway, when COVID shut down his steakhouse, he still had the um, butcher shop. He still had a database of 40,000 people who were on his um, birthday list or anniversary list or whatever else it is to contact them for takeout. To, you know, I mean, and he literally had... So many different people that he could talk to, even though the, the steakhouse itself was shut down, he could do catering, which basically went away, but he could do takeout, he could do the butcher shop, he could do so many other things and not just have the restaurant. And what really made it good is that he had developed a customer list over a long period of time that had 40,000 names on it. They kept him alive, mm-hmm. absolutely kept him alive during the pandemic. Yeah, so yeah. that's I, I his recurring there. revenue. There was... Uh, out here in California, there was one restaurant that did something similar and they're, um, they had to hire drivers to deliver the meals because, you know, obviously people weren't going out anywhere, but they were delivering meals over the place. And he was probably 80% of where he was, um, you know, on a regular night on a typical week. And he was just like, yeah, it's not bad at all. And uh, so he didn't have the butcher shop, but he stayed uh, very, I'm going to say he stayed very profitable because um, yeah. basically it went from, a wait staff to no wait staff, but cooks and people who took orders uh, yeah. and delivery drivers. So it worked out very, very well. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking, you're looking at things, you know, we said build the recurring revenue. He built recurring revenue because he had a customer base when the restaurant shut down. Yeah. And the cool thing is he's got 40,000 people. I, I doubt they're all in Florida, but uh, the the nice thing is he could be shipping his butcher, the, uh, the all the, the steaks that he butchered, just like Omaha steaks and many others do, um, you know, around the, around the United States. Sure. So, that's wonderful. Now, yeah. one of the things that I do want to ask is so many small businesses go bankrupt. Okay. Mm-hmm. How can they avoid such a fate? All right. 
I'm going to start sounding like a broken record. Make sure you have a customer base. Make sure you have cash flow. Make sure you have a budget. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that is what you're really telling people is saying, hey, look, guys, if you really want to stay in business and be profitable and wealthy, there's basic things you need to do and you need to stick with them. This isn't rocket scientists. There's mm-hmm. many people who don't have college degrees, never went to college. You know what? Um, that are doing very, very well with this. Uh, yeah. So now what are some easy ways to grow business wealth? All right. Easiest way that I know of to grow business wealth is the 2%, putting the 2% away. The second easiest way is to grow business wealth is to look at what your assets are. All right. Remember your, your P&L is just month by month by month by month, and it starts over again. So if you had a lousy month, so be it. You got to get to start over. Your balance sheet started the day you started your business. So what can we build up asset-wise that are fairly liquid, i.e. we can convert them into cash pretty quickly? Um, it might be you know, finding an analogous business, i.e. you know, sending the book of butcher shop information all over the world. Um, butcher shop products, not information, products all over the world. But you need to build recurring revenue with a customer base who is loyal to you and you are loyal to them of some way, shape or form. They may pay for it. They may not. Um, it just depends upon, you know, restaurants are not paying for it, but they you know, come in for their anniversaries and their birthdays and all that sort of fun stuff. So you got that. Others, you might have like for heating and air guys, you might have maintenance programs um, to take care of their maintenance on their heating and air conditioning system. So they actually pay for those. Um, So building as much recurring revenue and customers that way would be number two. Number three would be just making sure you watch your cash flow every single day. All right. You need to know what's going on. There's a weekly cash flow report in the Courage to be Profitable that you can very easily do. And I'm happy to send anybody who wants it. The, the cash flow report, but it makes you really look at what did we start, what came in, what went out, where are we, and where do we expect to be for next week? And you want to make sure that you're in a situation where you've got enough money to pay your bills. And if you don't, what's going to happen? And number three is if you watch cash flow starting to go down, you do something about it. You say stop. You know, it's not. I mean, I had a client. I have a client of mine who, until August of this year, everything was going great, and we. I know every week what his numbers are and his numbers started going down from a budget perspective and his cash flow went down at the same time. And I'm screaming at him and the bookkeeper screaming at him. And in December, he sends me an email and says, I'm out of cash. How did this happen? And I looked at him, I called him and I said, did you not listen to anything we were telling you? Well, no. Well, he had to get hit between the eyes with a two by four in order for it to pay for him to pay attention. Now, luckily he has lines of credit and stuff like that. But that's not the point. Pay attention every week. If things are going bad, turn them around that week. What can you do this week to turn it around? Can you talk to five customers? Can you talk to customers who you haven't talked to in two years? There are things that you can do every week. And if you do have employees, they have ideas. Put a, put together a bonus program that, you know, if we reach X number of dollars in sales this month, everybody gets a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or whatever the number is. It doesn't matter, but get everybody on the same page, making sure that they understand where they fit in, make sure they understand how they take care, how they fit into the customer who writes their paycheck and, and go from that perspective. That's what I do. We got about 30 seconds left. Okay. Um, I, I want to, I have this question. I said, why do you call yourself the profitability master? And um, where can people learn more about your book and where can they get it and how can they get in contact with you? All right. I call myself the profitability master because I am all about profitability. It's helping people with the tools and processes to get them and stay profitable and build wealth. That's what my, you know, that's why I was put on this earth. All right. So that's why I'm called profitability master. 
Um, if you, it's really easy, just go to ruthking.info. All of my contact information is there. All of my books are there. All the TV show stuff is there. I mean, it's all in one place on ruthking.info. Well, great. Thank you very, very much, Ruth. I appreciate you being here. I love the insights. And quite frankly, I'm very grateful because so many people can learn just from the lessons you got today. I recommend everybody to go out and get Profit or Wealth. Um, it'd be a wonderful book. It's an easy read. And uh, hey, I wish you happy and healthiness. And hopefully we can have you back sometime. I'd love it. Thanks, Steve. You have a great day. Hey, you too. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ruth King, the author of Profit and Wealth, Simple Rules for Sustaining Business Growth. She's been doing it for 40 years. She's passionate about helping people become profitable and grow wealth. If that has an interest for you, hey, go to Amazon, go to any major bookseller, get that book, Profit or Wealth, might make a difference in your life. Wasn't Ruth King just wonderful? We got another surprise for you. We have Brad Galbraith. He set up the changemydomicile.com. He's gonna talk to us about how to prevent the state you used to live in from going after your tax dollars. So stick with us. We're gonna be right back with some Brad Galbraith. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Again, you want to check us out on Google Play, Spotify. You can go see reruns all you'd like or go to the savingwithsteve.us website. Now, we just finished talking to Ruth King for the Profitability Method. If you'd like to get her book, Profit or Wealth, you can always go to Amazon. Money moves to banks before the end of the year. This is really very important. In 2021, the Global Retirement Index recently indicated that over 40% of Americans believe it'll be a miracle to retire securely. The ongoing pandemic, inflation, interest rates, public debt are all contributing factors to challenging financial times. As we enter the fourth quarter of 2021, I'd like to share you a little checklist that's crucial money moves to you need to make before the end of the year. First one, assess your finances. If you don't regularly keep track of your finances, this is a great time to do an assessment of your current financial situation. Why? So you can take the necessary steps to troubleshoot or self-correct before the end of the year. Look at your financial goals, your debts, expenses. Commit to making improvements before the end of the year. Next, manage your debts. Americans owe over $14 trillion in debt. With the holiday season just around the corner, it's likely Americans will continue to rack up even more debt. Take control of your situation now by assessing the debt you owe and put a plan in place to pay those debts off. 
I like the debt snowball techniques. In fact, it's been incredibly effective for many of my clients. All you really need to do is list all your debts, the balances, the dates owed, the interest rates, as well as the minimum payment. You can either start with the debt that has the highest interest rate or the one with the lowest balance. What you're really gonna do is you're gonna make the minimum payments on all your debts and pay as much as you can on top of that minimum payment to the debt you wanna pay off. Once it's paid off, you pick what you're paying there to the next one and the next one, and pretty soon you've got them taken care of. The key here, this folks with managing your debt, set a deadline for paying off your debts one by one. Next, do a security check. Fraud attempts typically rise towards the end of the year due to holiday spending. Delete credit card and other personal information saved on your browsers. Always confirm that the checkout page has a secure connection with ordering things online and utilize credit monitoring services or sites like Experian to make sure there isn't any fraudulent activity connected with your accounts. In fact, you know, what's really interesting. My daughter received this letter. I mean, she's only in college, but she's received this letter about consolidating her debt. And they're talking about, hey, you have this debt, you owe this much. And we told her to go get a credit report. It's important. You should probably get one of your free credit reports each and every year to make sure you don't have anything there you don't know about. Now, if you're working in the work world and you're working for somebody else, use the money in your flexible spending account. That's the FSA account. An FSA is a tax-free account which you contribute money from your payroll to pay for services that your healthcare coverage doesn't cover. Check your benefits to find out the deadline for using this money so it doesn't go unused. You also might wanna consider the benefits of saving in a health savings account, especially if you have a high deductible insurance plan. A health savings account offers multiple tax benefits in the form of a tax deductible contributions, tax deferred growth, and tax-free withdrawals, providing you use the money to pay for medical expenses. Now, last and most important, contribute the maximum to your 401k or IRA. Every dollar you contribute to that 401k or IRA is a dollar that you don't have to pay taxes on. So make sure you contribute the maximum amount before the end of the fiscal year. Now, if your employer offers a 401k match, even better. This is free money for you. Try to save at least the amount that your employer will match. Otherwise, you're leaving money on the table. Now, remember, a higher contribution to a 401k or IRA can lower your taxable income which means you're paying less in April. These are some of the money moves you're gonna to need to make before the end of the year to make sure you're on track. Wasn't Ruth King just wonderful? We got another surprise for you. We have Brad Galbraith. He set up the changemydomicile.com. He's gonna to talk to us about how to prevent the state you used to live in from going after your tax dollars. So stick with us. We're gonna be right back with some Brad Galbraith. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. 
We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving With Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving With Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Welcome to Saving with Steve, where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. Welcome to the show. Just want to say thank you for sharing us with your friends, families, and associates. We had well over 337,000 viewers and listeners last month, so we're very excited with that. Now, last year, over 663,000 people moved out of the state of California, many just because they wanted to go to a lower tax state so they can save a dump load of money, okay? And the same thing's happening with New York, New Jersey, Illinois, because they want to go to a tax-free or a low-tax state. Now, the reality is these states don't like losing your tax business and they want to make you make sure that you're not doing anything wrong so they can keep that business. So, you know what? You want to learn how to pass the state, what it's called domicile test. That's why we have Brad Galbraith here, creator of the changemydomicile.com. He's going to help us, help us, help you good folks just walk you through it. Now, we'll also be talking about the seven big tax scans that are hitting here in tax season. And how would you like a technology tool that can forecast risk for investors? How would you like a tool that enables you to help identify when risk is too high so you can get yourself out of the market? Hey, you want to stick around? We have Sean Rolls at Watchpoint Analytics. He's going to walk us through it. Now, what I'd like to do is tell you a little bit about Brad Galbraith. Now, he's an attorney, he's a, CP, uh, he's a CPA, he's the author of state-specific domicile plans. Now, like I said before, people are looking at ways to reduce taxes. A lot of times that's just moving from one state to another. Some people, they, you know what, don't realize that their former state wants to keep their hands in their cookie jar from a tax perspective. And if they ignore the rules on how to change your domicile properly, hey, you could come up with a lot of stress like taxes, audits. It could be estate issues. It could be lots of things. So that's why we have Brad. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Steve. Looking forward to it. And as we, as I said before we got started, when our, our viewers and listeners heard about you being on here, this is a big topic because taxes are going up all over from a state perspective. And quite frankly, many states become unaffordable. So one of the best ways is to move out of the state. Now, help me understand how you got involved with the changing the domicile business, so to speak. Yeah, sure. Um, many, many years ago, I guess maybe 20 years ago, uh, I was practicing law in Indianapolis and my wealthiest clients kept retiring and moving to Florida. And they kept saying to me, what, what can you do to help us? And I would say, well, I'm not licensed in Florida, so I, I really can't. And I'd have to refer them to someone else. 
And I realized pretty quickly that referring away my wealthiest clients who are tuned in to this domicile issue probably wasn't the best long-term strategy. So I took the Florida bar, opened an, an office in Florida. Uh, and ever since I've been helping people from higher tax states make that transition to Florida. Okay. So I just got to say this. I've talked to many of my advisor friends and I've had even some clients where they figure they can split a state or, you know, one spouse is domiciled in one state and another in another. And for some reason, you know what, they're getting audited. They're getting hit with penalties and all that kind of stuff. So what I'd like you to do is just go, hey, what determines somebody's state registry? Where they're, what state they're domiciled in? What determines that? Let's start there. Sure. Well, for the most part, when we're using this term domicile, it's, it's good to, to specify that a lot of people call that residency. Mm -hmm. Most states technically call it domicile. Um, but you can, of course, have a residence in more than one state, but you should, for tax purposes, only have one domicile. And so there, there's a lot of your listeners, certainly, who pay state income tax to multiple states. But there is one state that there is their primary residence, and they may, they may be paying uh, state income tax, for example, in California because they own rental property in California. They may pay in Illinois because they have rental property in Illinois but they happen to be domiciled in New York. And so their worldwide income is subject to tax in New York, minus some of those taxes that are paid in other places. So, so in general, when we use the term domicile, we're talking about really kind of tax residency. Now, what determines uh, your domicile is state specific. That's, that's one of the things that we have talked about a little bit. It's really not about the state you're moving to, it's the state you're coming from. Uh, uh, because every state has their own laws. That's, that's just the way it works in, in our United States. It's not a federal law that determines which state you are domiciled in. It's your state law. So there, there are unfortunately plenty of cases that actually went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court about what state a person was domiciled in. And the argument oftentimes was, hey, I'm, 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 I've got more than one state saying that I'm domiciled in their state federal government or federal courts, you resolve this. And, and the answer has really been, for the most part, hey, states can have different laws. If, if you aren't smart enough to make sure that you are only domiciled in one state, there may be more than one state that tries to claim taxes. Um, and so we have to look very specifically to the state that you are trying to change your domicile from, not just the state that you're trying to change your domicile to. So in other words, whether you're New York, Illinois, California, which are some of the biggest, in New Jersey, some of the biggest tax states, um, you really need to make sure if you're going to be living in Florida or in Texas or some other like Tennessee tax-free state, you really need to look at that. Like, for example, you probably deal, well, you're from um, Indiana. So uh, Indiana has what kind of like, I'm just going to ask about Indiana. What kind of in, uh, rules or domicile tests does Indiana have compared sure. to Florida? Sure. So uh, I can even be a little bit more specific than that. I would say, uh, in general, about half of the states in our country have a two-pronged domicile test. The other states have a one-pronged domicile test. The two-pronged domicile test, the first part of the test is typically a number of days test. New York is probably the most famous of, of those states where they say, if you have a place of abode, if you have a place uh, that you can live, whether rented or owned, and you are in New York 183 or more uh, days, 
then you are a statutory resident and there is no reason to move on to, to the second prong of the test. You are a, a resident of that state for their tax purposes and any of the other things that you've ever heard of that you're supposed to do just simply won't matter. About half of our states have a law like that okay. where there is a number of days. Now, that this, the number of days can vary a little bit from state to state, but most of them are in that six month in a day category. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, Ohio is the one very unusual state where, where they don't have six months in a day, they have seven months in a day. They actually are more liberal, uh, surprisingly. And they have said, in order to hold on to as many people as they can who will continue to come back to Ohio in the summertime or off season, um, they've said, you know, we're going to be really liberal. You could be in Ohio up to seven months. And if you intend to be domiciled somewhere else, we won't count that against you. Um, so that they've, they've gone the opposite direction of many states. And their thought is that way, the former residents can continue to come back to Ohio, own second homes, do their banking and investing and go to the doctor there and give to charities there. And they've decided that that's what's best. But in general, half of the states have this number of days test. The second part of the test in those states and the second part and the only part of the test in most other states is an intent test. Mm -hmm. And it is based upon your subjective intent. And unfortunately, there's no there's no MRI machine that we can run a person through that that lights up green if you intend to be domiciled in Florida and lights up red if you intend to be domiciled in New York. It, it doesn't work that way. And so every state has come up with different factors that they may look to to objectively determine what your subjective intent might be. And that's what really varies very significantly from state to state. In some states, they say whether you have a safe deposit box in their state is extremely relevant. And in other states, that's just not even mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, In some states, in only a few states, they say where you give to charitable organizations really shows where your heart is. And if you still give in your former state, that's very indicative of your intent. And yet other states say absolutely positively, we will not consider that because we don't want to harm the charities in our state. And so it, it, it is very state specific when it comes to down to those uh, indicators of intent. Okay, so now can, okay, so basically what you're saying is you can only have one domicile, okay, where your tax state is, you can't have two. Um, well, certainly two states could argue about it, okay. uh, but you, you do not ever want to have more than one domicile because that means two states are arguing over which one gets to tax you the most. So that, that would be a disaster. So we want to be careful so that you 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 should not ever have more than one state of domicile. Okay, so here's the, here's the next thing. Um, can you live in one state and be a domiciled resident of another? And you just talked about that 183 and stuff like that. Is there any states that have issues with that? Um, as long as we're talking about a second residents, okay. um, then most states recognize, really all states recognize that you may have a residence in their state and yet not be domiciled in their state. Now, as you might imagine, the people who are being audited, for the most part, those are people who have a home in both states. Mm-hmm. Those also happen to be all of my clients. My, my clients don't typically live where I live in Naples, Florida year round. It, it gets rather warm in, in August mm-hmm. and they tend to head back north. Um, so most of my clients have a residence in more than one state. 
And the fact that they have a residence in a northern state doesn't mean that they are going to continue to be domiciled there. But it does mean that we probably need to be even more careful in, in making that change of domicile to dot the I's, cross the T's, do as many things as possible so that it will be very obvious that the intent is to be domiciled in Florida, despite the fact that there is still a home uh, up north. Now, the fact is that one of the analogies that I really like to use that is kind of uh, uh, a, a visual that, that you can think of is an apothecary scale. Mm -hmm. So when, when looking to these intent tests, to the various factors, um, what we want to do is we want to pile up as many factors in favor of your low tax state as possible. Yes. You pile up whatever still weighs in favor of your northern state. And we want your low tax new state to greatly outweigh the other state. That doesn't mean that there is nothing in favor of the northern state. You may still have a residence there. You may mm -hmm. have children there. You may still uh, own a business there. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that if uh, a fact finder, if a, a court or a taxing authority were to ever take a look and audit or even litigate, we want it to be very clear to them that this case just isn't worth pursuing because you've done so many things to heavily weight that apothecary scale in favor of your new state. Perfect. Hey, we're going to hold on right there. I want to talk to you about many of those things that people can do when we come right back. So we're going to take a break. Got to pay some bills. We'll be back to a few minutes with Brad Galvin. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Oh, I want to welcome you all back to the Saving with Steve show. I want to truly thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends and family and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. Again, that's savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss a show. And check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems and then lift your spirits, as well as live a life of financial personal freedom. Also follow us at Facebook and join the Saving with Steve Insiders Club. At savingwithsteve.us, you get all the replays, exclusive gifts from our guests, and more. So with that, we have Brad back. We're talking about the factors that people look at. Now, what specifically are some of those factors 
that the franchise tax board here in California or wherever it is here there in Florida, would they be looking at as factors for somebody's domicile? Yeah, and and um, there I can provide a bit of a list of those things that are somewhat universal. Yeah, please. Uh, th- those things that that really apply in most every state across the country. The word of caution is that that doing just those things that are general uh, may not be everything you need to do for your state. Uh, but some of those general things are the things that are really almost just obvious. If you're okay. going to change domicile to a new state, you would get a driver's license in that new state. Mm-hmm. You'd register a car in that new state. You'd register to vote in that new state. If there's a homestead exemption, you would file for that homestead exemption in your new state. And one thing that may not be quite as obvious, but is true in many of, of our states, is if you're changing to a new state, there may be a form available either through a county or uh, the state franchise board um, or the Department of Revenue, uh, the taxing authority for the state that allows you to complete an affidavit that says, as of this date, I intend to be domiciled in my new state. So in, in Florida, every county has one of those. It's called a declaration of domicile. It's completed in front of a notary and you just swear that that's your intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then record that with the county, putting everyone on notice that that's your intent. Now that's not gonna do it. That's, that's not going to be the determining factor, but it is very nice to have a very clear piece of paper that says, it is my intent as of February 25th, uh, 2021, that I intend to be domiciled in my new state. So those are some of the the universal things, um, but there's a few others that are certainly worthy of mention. Um, And some of these are a little bit less obvious. I mentioned a safe deposit box earlier. Mm -hmm. Now that's not relevant in every state, but I would say in at least half of the states, that appears either in case law or regulatory materials or state publications that, that that may be very indicative of a person's intent. If you have a safe deposit box still in your former state, it sounds like that really is your intended long-term, that's the place where you intend to eventually return. Okay. Um, and, and that could be a problem uh, if you're ever dom- uh, audited for domicile. Um, a couple other things that are that are interesting that people don't always think about. One of those might be professional licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us and many of your listeners are are professionals of one sort or, or another, whether they're an attorney or a doctor or a nurse or a realtor or appraiser, you name it. Uh, if you think about it, you register as a professional with your state. That's a state dat- database. If the state wants to determine whether they're going to audit you or not, a very simple thing they can do is look and say, all right, well, this person is still a, a, a licensed physician in the state of California, yet he says that he's now domiciled in Idaho. That doesn't really make much sense to us. We better inquire more. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you're changing your state of domicile, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up your professional licenses. If you're ready to, you know, even better. But in most instances, people want to at least change from a, a resident licensed physician, as my example, to a non-resident licensed physician. Um, if there is no different differentiation between resident and non-resident, at a minimum, change your address. Do not continue to use your in-state address um, for, for those purposes. Use your new state address for those purposes. Okay, so and, what about things like a doctor? 
Yeah, and, and that varies by state. It's it's interesting though. Most states will say that when trying to determine your intent, again, there is no MRI machine. You, you, there's there's no easy way of determining that, and it's just a little bit too obvious to just ask. You know, do you have a driver's license in your new state? And so, what many states will do is they'll look to some of these less obvious things that they believe that if you were really intending to change your domicile, you would probably find. Uh, a dentist and a primary care physician in your new state. Depending on the state, they may ask about other professionals, insurance professionals, financial professionals, um, uh, accounting professionals, tax professionals, uh, uh, lawyer. Um, do you have these professionals in your new state? At a minimum, do you have them in that new state and maybe still in your old state with them coordinating? But there should probably be some connection with the new state. Now, it, that varies by state. Again, interestingly, I mentioned Ohio earlier. Ohio, uh, when passing their laws, made the, the, the intentional decision to not count those things. Okay. In fact, what they wanted to do is have, have their state residents who are changing their domicile still go back for medical care in Ohio, still have the Ohio banks as their banks, still have the Ohio investment professionals and CPAs and lawyers. So it, it does vary by state, but in most states, uh, your choice of physician, uh, whether you have that in your new state or your old state can be indicative of, of intent. Okay. Similarly, things like uh, social and religious organizations. The church. Your church, if 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 you're a lifelong member of the Methodist church in your northern state, it would only make sense that if you were changing your domicile to a new state, that you'd probably find um, a, a Methodist church or some church, at least, to, to attend uh, in Florida. If you're a lifelong uh, member of the uh, University of Michigan Alumni Association, you'd probably join the University of Michigan Alumni Association of, of Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, you would likely do those things. You'd also surround yourself with some, so if you've been active in charitable activities, you'd probably find some of those charitable activities to do in your in your new state. Okay, so now I'd like to, uh, um, what are the things that people should consider before changing their domicile? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it would only make sense to do a financial analysis and make sure that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happens when you change your domicile is you give up your homestead exemption in your in your current state in order to get the homestead exemption in the new state. Almost every state says you can't have a homestead exemption in both states. Homestead exemptions are, are for the most part, reserved for those people who are domiciled in that state. And some states, the homestead exemption is very significant. Just as an example, in Michigan, the homestead exemption is very significant. I've, I've had, I've done the analysis for clients before where we ended up deciding that their savings on income taxes uh, were outweighed by the additional costs of giving up the homestead exemption. So, uh, so it is important to, to not just hear that the new state is better, but to do the financial analysis, figure out whether it really makes sense to make that change. Uh, and, and if you're go going to do so, when do, those, uh, when do those financial benefits kick in? Yeah, no, that's great. Now, you know what, um, as I told you at the beginning, there's a number of people that we know that have gotten audited over this. Okay. So how do you defend against an audit? And, you know, how do you defend against an audit of, the, of a, a domiciled state? Yeah, that's, that, that really is a great question because at the end of the day, um, that's what we're all concerned about. 
Mm-hmm. If you make the change and you get audited, you know, oftentimes you've already lost because you, if you're making a change and you're going into retirement, looking forward to, to spending some time with the kids and grandkids and on the golf course, and you end up in an audit, that's just not what anybody wants. No. Um, so I would say it is very important when you make your change of domicile to know the state that you're coming from, to know it inside and out. Um, and that is the idea behind changemydomicile.com, um, making sure that you have a state-specific list to go through. Keep records of, of everything that you change. If you're changing from a, a safe deposit box in your, in your high-tax state, to a safe deposit box in the low tax state, keep that information, have the records as to when you changed, when you closed the old box, when you opened the new one. Um, Just gather information about the date that you registered to vote in your new state, Um, the date that you gave up your homestead exemption in the former state. Keep all of those records. And importantly, because many states do have this number of days test, track your number of days so that if, if you're asked, you know for sure that you're in good shape so that even if you're audited on that number of days test, that you're not going to run afoul of the loss. Okay. So now what I need you to do, because we have about a minute and a half left, I'd like you to talk about changeyourdomicile.com, how people can go and get involved with you, how people can get involved with that so they can change their domicile right so they don't get hit with the audit and the stress and all that. That's great. Great. So, um, so yes, at changemydomicile.com, what we have done is we have gone through the 20 highest tax states um, and done a specific state analysis for each of those states. What we have done is we've outlined so that it's easy to determine what is the financial benefit of changing from that state? What is the income tax rate in that state? How does the property tax exemption work in that state? Does that state have a gift tax, an estate tax, an inheritance tax? so that you can actually go through and quantify the difference between the two states. Um, And then what we have done is we've gone through uh, the state statutes, Mm -hmm. state regulations and case law for each state. And we've pulled out the information that is specific to that state domicile decision so that it's all in one place so that that our, our clients can read through that and see what they should be doing. And then we make it even easier what we do is we have created a checklist for each state, very state specific, that based upon California, for example, what are the things that California says they will look at so that you can go through that checklist one by one, keeping records as to the date that you made each of those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in doing that, um, your chances of audit, your chances of, of triggering an audit go way down. Um, and certainly if you were to be audited, uh, you at least know you've dotted the I's, crossed the T's, and that you're going to be successful in that audit if you've done the things on the checklist. Thank you, Brad, for being part of the show. What's the best way that be, it's it's changemydomicile.com is the best way for people to get in contact with you, get the information, and so on, correct? Absolutely. Changemydomicile.com. And uh, once there, there's some free information, and then there's a, a, a link where you can download your specific state's package. Brad, thanks for being on the show. This is a big topic. We'll probably have you back. Stay safe down there in Florida. We'll see you. Great. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. You know what? We had a great show today. We did talk about the ins and outs of money. We talked with Ruth King, 
profitability master. We talked about money moves you need to make before the end of the year. We also talked about with Brad Galbraith about how to change our domicile properly so we're not in a position where our previous state is still taxing us. Now, I truly want to thank you for tuning in. I'm appreciating you letting your friends and family and members and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spotify, Google Play channel, so you never miss this show. Check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, lift your life, uplift your spirits, and live a life of financial and personal freedom. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and join the Saving with Steve Sexton Insiders Club at savingwithsteve.us to get all our replays, access to the after show video, and guest gifts to take your life to the next level. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton.